Central Monday. It's Dan Richo Satyar Shah here in the Kintec studio. Kintec footwear and orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. The good times keep rolling for the Vancouver Canucks. All that talk about having a good start. Well, they could not have possibly had a better start than they have had through two games, Sat. Not from a results standpoint. Yes. However, you hear the head are coach. You, are you like, okay, yes, head coach, yes. I'm saying results-wise, it's I good. I thought we were going to bring up Mike and Surrey from no, the No, uh, it's okay. Mike and, Surrey, show. Mike and Surrey is the, the big star now of the post-game show. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what everybody wants to talk about. Yeah, uh, you know, call, call Mike and Surrey. He's just like uh, he was. He, he had a feeling the coach wasn't going to like too much of what the Canucks. No, I mean, listen, showed on Saturday as well. A lot of the things Mike said, and people wondering what the hell are you guys talking about. It was Maybe. a caller uh, in the post game show. It is available on the post game podcast. But anyway, it's like the sentiment wasn't wrong. I mean, the Canucks get outplayed heavily. You know, how many times? Seven, eight times out of ten, you lose that game. No doubt. Yep. You know, of course, right? Like we don't. None of us disagree with that. But it was just funny, like the level of like frustration. And also, you know, being mad at people getting excited about two wins mm-hmm. and saying it's only two wins, but then also citing Corsi after two games, yeah. a small sample. So it was it was just really fun. Like, And then the next caller was like, the Canucks are going to win 60 games. So you got the extremes <laughs> from the fan base. You got the ones that are like, you know, this is like horrible. This team sucks no matter what. And then you had the other extreme, which thought this team is going to, you know, beat the Boston Bruins record for points last season. So you you, you get the extreme reactions from yes. time to time on the postgame show. That's what we love. That's yeah. what we love from our uh, from our lovely <laughs> and loyal listeners. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. You can get in on the conversation there. Questions, comments. Otherwise, uh, you can send it through on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. It is... Um, Still very much in stark contrast to what the Canucks were 12 months ago. Remember, three games into the season last year, they were having a players-only meeting. So, yeah, a little different this time around, even though they're not yet three games in. But they did get the two wins, and that's more than you could have asked for. And we're going to dive into it more throughout the course of the day. Don Taylor is going to join us also Irfan Gaffar is going to join us, his take on what's happening and some of the scuttlebutt around the team right now. Plus the Monday menu coming up later on this hour. Who's hot, who is not with your Vancouver Canucks. You can send in some submissions as to who should be on the Monday menu for later on this hour. But without further ado, who better to comment on the 2-0 start for the Vancouver Canucks than the general manager himself, Joining us exclusively here on Canuck Central, it is general manager of your Vancouver Canucks, Patrick Alvin. Thanks for this, Patrick. How are you? Thanks, guys. Uh, it's going uh, pretty well. We uh, get down here safe to the Philly and uh, had a practice here today. I'd say it's pretty well. You're still undefeated on the season. Yeah, it was it was a good start, uh, and we uh, part of our games that we did uh, really well, and part of the games we need to get better at. So. Um, Overall, uh, we're happy with the two wins, but we definitely need to uh, continue to work on things here. How do you feel about the coaching staff you brought in and just with the work they put in last year, but also the preparation they put in over the course of the off-season training camp? And and you're right, the team has a long way to go. They can do a lot better than how they showed in that second game in Edmonton, obviously. But how pleased are you? And are you seeing the vision uh, that you saw with your coaching staff already? 
I'm very pleased with the with the coaching staff how they uh, came together last year and uh, what they all bring uh, and how they delegate and how they work together. Uh, I think they're building that partnership uh, where with the players that I believe uh, it's so important in, in today's game. And um, part of that is, is communicating and teaching the players. And I was really pleased with uh, their training camp, uh, how they uh, planned it out and how they worked on different uh, sub, uh, subjects every day. And uh, um, we're continue to grow as, as a staff and, and uh, as a team here. So, um, so, so far it's been very encouraging. You know, it's uh, it, as we know, and we'll say this for a while yet, but it's it's still early and it's only two games. But you did bank the two wins. I'm, I'm curious, though, like um, how long do you feel you need to get a good sense of how good this team could be or, you know, how much growing there still needs to be within the organization? Is there a check mark, a checkpoint in the season that you look at? No, I think uh, our mindset is just the next uh, the next day and next game. Like, how do we get better here today at practice? What what do we need to emphasize? What do we need to do? That's uh, that's a mindset within the group, and uh, that's something we're just gonna continue to to focus on, and and that will be a part of the process. How do you feel about some some of these new additions and how they're playing? Ian Cole obviously has made an impact on the back end, and we saw Sam Lafferty, the latest addition to the team, uh, score a couple you know score a couple goals. He's looked pretty uh, good with the forecheck and the size and the speed combo. How do you feel about the new additions and how they're performing? I think they coming in and, and helping uh, helping our group to get better here. I think uh, you mentioned Ian Cole with his experience. Uh, being a, a cup winner and played in, in deep playoff runs and, and he can handle the pressure and he can handle the big minutes. I think he's been doing a really good job here early on, calming the team down in the eating minutes and uh, uh, the rest of the players been fitting in well. Uh, very pleased with uh, with all of them and uh, as I said, we will just continue uh, to grow uh, individually and, and as a team here. You know, we saw the uh, and heard the coach put the team through a, a hard practice today in in Philadelphia, and you know it, it seems like there's a, a want to not get comfortable even after after the two wins. Is that part of the you know ongoing culture change and new mental- mentality that you want to be brought in? Yeah, I think that's part of the message from the coaches, the staples that we have here, and, and the standard and and the expectations. Uh, we all know that we're. We need to get better here as, as a team, uh, and and as I said before, the mindset of coming in every day. How do we get better? Uh, we want to help the players to be successful, and uh, from my end, I want to make sure that uh, we are top of things and, and continue to grow as a as a team here. And I think part of it is to to learn how to push uh, to get better. You get better in practice, and uh, the, if you if you practice hard, the game should be uh, easier. Now, obviously, there's a lot you guys can do from the coaching standpoint and what you have in the organization. But obviously, when it comes to managing the team, it's ever evolving in terms of shaping the organization on and off the ice. And we all know uh, all the stuff with Connor Garland that came out about his agent also being involved and perhaps looking at possibilities for trade here. I know we can't get into specifics, but in a situation like this in general, how do you weigh trying to figure out a situation for the player and also doing what's best for the organization in terms of maximizing the value of your assets? Well, my job uh, is first and foremost always look after the organization short-term and long-term here. 
and uh, that's that's something that I uh, will continue to do and and uh, make sure we have the right pieces here uh, for for the coaching staff's puzzle. Um, and I don't want to get into any any individual players uh, or, or not the business part of it. But um, Connor has been playing really well here the first two games and uh, will continue to play well for us. And, uh, and uh, we have uh, two forwards out here in Teddy Bluger and Mikhaev, and I, there's going to be competition on our team. Um, you know, we sent the Neil Salman down, who played uh, over 60 games last year, and... Uh, showed us in training camp that he was ready again uh unfortunately he got sent down and and uh there is more good players underneath that uh knocking on the door and, and want to come up and play so i'm very happy to have the depth we have and, and the competition do you feel pressure at all to to make a move happen sooner rather than later i don't feel pressure of making moves just to make moves i, I feel pressure of uh making sure our team uh um, continue to get better. Uh, that's the only thing my focus is on, and, and making sure we have the right uh, pieces uh, to, 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 to make the puzzle here for for the coaches to to um, to win hockey games. And when it comes to even this time of year, we were only two games into the season, obviously, and we all know how capped out the entire National Hockey League is. In terms of trying to make deals, especially when it comes to sending relatively big money in and out, how hard is that to do even now? And is that something that usually takes a few months to develop? Uh, I think you guys could could see uh, how it's been over the last couple of years since COVID hit and and kind of the flat cap. It's, it's been extremely hard uh um most of the deals uh it's it's usually uh money in money out uh and that just shows a hard harder this uh, uh to to improve your team well and when it comes to also an area of improvement how do you feel about the back end and is that still an, an area on defense that if you could improve you would look to do yeah i i think again i'm looking at all uh part of our, our team and and uh have a feel for what's what's available around the league, and uh, if it makes sense for us uh, um, to acquire any players or not uh, to make our team better, I would definitely be open and, and listen to it. Uh, yeah. On the back end, now I, I feel that we're stronger and deeper, and uh, um, Carson Susie would be a uh, I would I, I believe is a game time decision tomorrow, and. Uh, we had some injury here, uh, injury luck early on, but uh, we have seen uh, Kido Hirose and uh, Noah Juleson stepped in and, and played uh, pretty good. And, and we still have more options down in Abbotsford. Uh, Abbotsford had a great start this week and with two wins in, in Laval there. So, as I said, there is several players that knocking on the door that, that want to have games up here. Yeah, we saw uh, actually uh, Vasily Podkolzin have, have off to a good start in uh, in Abbotsford. Uh, what's sort of the plan for him, you know, a player with with such great potential to this organization that's just uh, hit a bit of a speed bump right now? Yeah, I, I, you're right. I, he has great potential. And I think uh, we owe it to, to all the young players to put them in a position to succeed. And, and by doing that, you, you're going to learn how to play the right way. Um, and and that's where Abbotsford is a is a great uh, great uh, st- stepping stone for them uh, to be able to play big minutes to play, be able to play in key situation and and Jeremy Collins and his coaching staff are doing a tremendous job with their young players down there 
Uh, again, there is there is no rush. Uh, but Colson has shown that he's capable of playing NHL games. But but we also feel that there is more potential to him, and and we want to continue to build him up. So once once he uh, comes back, he he sticks up there. Uh, we know uh, you've been asked quite a bit about Elias Pettersson and the uh, negotiation, the contract that is uh, expiring at the end of the year. Still a restricted free agent, as we know, but um, at least on the ice so far, second star of the week. He seems to be enjoying his hockey under Rick Tockett. Yeah, really impressed with Elias' 200-foot game. Uh, and I think he, uh, Talk has been extremely pleased with Elias, and he's he's showing uh, that he's part of the leadership group and and showing us how you know you play the game the right way 200 foot and then uh, i've been impressed uh with his practice habits as well here and and uh him and quinn and, and jt miller uh demko being part of the leadership group and, and showing what it takes uh to be a good team every day uh he's, he's started the season extremely well here so uh definitely really encouraged to see elias a player of his caliber playing at this level, I don't think it's ridiculous to say he's playing as one of the best players in a league when he's at this level. What does it mean to an organization to have players like that and keep players like that? Yeah, again, we're very happy and fortunate to have uh, those four uh, kind of core players for us uh, in a great age or two. Uh, JT being the older one, but the way he is playing is, is uh, I believe, is top in, in the league in that category, but Definitely very fortunate to have uh, Quinn and Elias and uh, Dem- Thatcher Demko in their, uh, you know, in, in the age they are. And we're just going to continue to build around them and, and get better here. Would your hope be to get Pedersen done to a, a, an extension before he becomes a restricted free agent? Uh, before he get, becomes a UFA. Unrestricted <laughs> <laughs> free agent. <laughs> Definitely. I got two more years uh, <laughs> to figure that out. But but uh, again, I very happy for uh, the, that he got the second star in the league here this the first week. And uh, again, we'll just uh, continue to talk and uh, hopefully we'll get something done. Is it one of those things that you think maybe could have gotten done in the off season, or was this always going to take a little bit of time to figure out where you guys are at? Like, was there a way to get it done earlier, or is this just the way this process is playing out? I think this is the way the process is. Um, I don't think we need to force anything um, based on the conversation and dialogue we have with Elias and, and uh, getting to know for Elias also uh, getting to know with Talkit and how we want to how we want to play moving forward and what what sort kind of staples are for this for this team and and my vision and Jim Rutherford's vision as well. Patrick, uh, we really appreciate the time. Uh, all the best and uh, congrats on the start to the season. Thanks, guys. Uh, keep doing a good job there and uh, hear from you soon again. Uh, he will be hearing from us uh, soon enough. It is uh, Patrick Alvin, uh because you know, we can't let Patrick only come on when things are rosy, you know, 2-0 and start to yeah. the season and those types of things. So the first uh, bit of a rough patch <laughs> on the phone quickly. Hey, Patrick, we got some tough questions for you. <laughs> uh, that is Patrick Alvin, general manager of your Vancouver Canucks, joining us here on uh, on Canucks Central. And he's as, very good at not saying anything. Yeah, he's, uh, as always, <laughs> coy with uh, his, his answers. But, you know, he's clearly not going to give an inch on uh, the Garland situation and... Now that it's public, he can't just outright deny it, but uh, it's 
clear, at least in his eyes, it's not something he's going to be pressured into doing until he finds the right deal. Oh, and yeah, and I mean, you, you know, one of the things we didn't get to because we're we're up against it time wise. But even Ethan Bear, when we've asked him, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm I, I talk and I'm in contact with his agent, and we'll see what happens later on. So it's very much like we'll see what happens. Even the stuff on, on the trades, like you mentioned, it's like, yeah, we want to improve the team. Yes, perhaps we'd like to address the blue line, but we have options, and we'll see what happens. You know, Boo Patterson, we'd like to sign him. We'll see what happens. So it's kind of the standard answer that he gives but it's good to be available to answer questions and I think that's the biggest thing that people want to hear from the GM of the team and be able to ask them some questions and at the end of the day your job as a GM when you meet with the media is to be available but also it's to protect your organization the best possible and as much as it sucks the best way for you to protect your organization is to not give unnecessary sound bites sometimes right so I think he's good at not doing that yeah Um, and I think you know it was pretty standard with with how he answered the questions here that clearly they want to do something here with Elias Patterson, but he's not giving us an indication one way or another where it's leaning or where it might be going. Yeah. And, you know, you often hear teams and players say they don't want to negotiate in the media. And yeah. Patrick is doing everything to not get any sort of morsel of information out there that could sway the conversation in a way that, um, you know, leads to us thinking the negotiation is going one way or another. It's pretty obvious the Canucks would like to keep. Elias Pettersson. Why wouldn't you want to keep Elias Pettersson? It's a two-way street when it comes to that. And we'll see where this goes. He was second star of the week. Goal and five assists was the Canucks best player through both games. Was one of the few Canucks that was above water against the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday when it came to, you know, the shot share and scoring chances and all those different types of things. The underlyings, as we call it. But it's not an easy negotiation. It's going to be one of the 10 most expensive contracts, at least on a yearly basis, in the league when it does get done. That is my opinion. So doesn't seem like there is a rush at this point. And even, you know, the idea of, and I know this is sitting in the back of a lot of fans' heads, the Matthew Kachuk situation playing out here in Vancouver. Well, the only thing Patrick can do to guard against that is try and make sure that he fields the best team that he can and that the team has success around Elias Patterson, so it doesn't become the Matthew Kachuk situation. Yeah, and, and one of the things, too, is like, you know, we've mentioned this before, that based on where negoti- negotiations or at least discussions had gone, the sentiment I got was that there was no offer put in front of him that was similar to, you know, the 10 11 $12 million offers, like, as far as we know. But also what we do know is that the Patterson camp also kind of said, let's kind of see what happens. So... If there is an understanding or a feeling that perhaps he'd, he'd accept, let's say, hypothetically, yeah. let's say he would accept 11 million per season and the team knows that would pique his interest. But if he's not yet sure about the team because he wants to see how it goes, do you put that offer out in front of him now or do you wait to see how it goes and then come around when you feel like, okay, things are going well, yeah, we're happy, you're happy. How about we do this here, right? So I wonder if that plays out that way. And if it plays out that way, you can look at it and say, okay, well, it made sense how they did it. I think where a lot of people have some trepidation, understandably, is did you have an opportunity to get this done by perhaps giving your best offer in the summer so you can get this player signed? If that was a possibility, then you can look at it and say, well, the price may only go up from this point on, and maybe it was better for you to get ahead of it. But it all like it takes two parties to get to that point. And sometimes when it hasn't got to the point where that type of offer is made, it's not just because a team is quote unquote reluctant. Mm-hmm. It's more about how receptive is the other side at this moment for that anyways. So let's just wait for the right moment to present that. Because if you present that now and it's like, hey, I like this offer, it's fair, but let's see what happens. 
And then you play better, and it's like, well, we kind of you don't move the goalpost too much. Like yeah. in negotiations, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. So we'll see ultimately. But he mentioned that he doesn't feel like there's any uh, there was there was any deal to be made necessarily in the yeah. summertime. But it's more about get it done when you can, because we all know the more he plays like this, the longer he plays like this before getting signed, this more the more it's going to cost to get him signed. Uh, the only player ahead of Elias Pettersson on the uh, Stars of the Week in the NHL, Austin Matthews, who had back-to-back hat tricks. So it's kind of the uh, the story with Elias Pettersson, and we know how good he was. What's been fairly obvious is how they are appreciating the steps that some of the stars are making away from the ice, Mm -hmm. not just on the ice, right? We've heard talk it today uh, when he spoke to the media, talk about Pedersen's 200 foot game. When we just spoke to Alvin there, he mentions uh, Pedersen's practice habits being better than where they were last year. And I think that's, you know, across the board for the entire team. It's, I think with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, especially the two guys, the two cornerstones of this franchise that they're trying to build around. Is it too early to say that we've seen them take a step already this season, at least in, you know, how they prepare themselves and how they prepare their teammates now as the big time leaders of this team? You know, I mentioned this the other day as well. Um, There is a little bit of confirmation bias early in the season when you're looking at these are the things we're looking out for. Yeah. And as soon as you see the first evidence of anything that correlates, you're like, ah, this is this is what's happening. This is a yeah, you yeah. know. So I think it's easy to look at how Hughes has started the season with his more authoritative presence because he's been named captain, right? We had the great post-game interview with yeah. him. We saw how he played even more forceful. I mean, uh, he, he does seem even more assertive than he was before. Like, he seems even stronger, more confident on the ice, if that's something you can quantify based on what you've seen. But it's also one of those things where it's like we think and say, he's the captain now. He's going to take more ownership. He's going to grow as a player. And it's easy to project that when you see, you know, some good performances. And I can say the same thing for Pedersen to some degree because he's not doing anything so far he hasn't been doing before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to take time for us to really figure out, okay, like, you know, have these guys taken a step or not. But I do think in terms of the seriousness both those players have and the impact it seems to have on the group and how they're moving forward, I do think there's a lot to be encouraged by that we might we probably do see the best version we've ever seen of Pedersen this year. We see the best version we've ever seen from Quinn Hughes. And usually that happens when you kind of, you get to the point where that physical side has now really grown in. I mean, Hughes is 24, Pedersen's going to be 25. You see Pedersen, how much stronger he is on yeah. the ice. You see Quinn Hughes, who mentioned like he seems even stronger and more confident. And it's usually this age range where players really start hitting their peak in terms of all-around impact. And it seems like we're seeing that already through two games from Pedersen. We heard the coach speak glowingly about his performance. And even with Quinn Hughes, the way Quinn has 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 controlled games, especially the first game and at moments even in Edmonton, like it's very impressive. Uh, a couple of texts coming in from our live listeners, 650-650. This um, from Tones. Hughes is doing what McCarr does and uses skating to impose his will on the game more. And this one... Uh, is Elias Patterson a superstar yet, or does he need to have another big year to be called that? I mean, that, that's like uh, subjective, yeah. right? Like it's it comes down to like you know how how you view it. He had a hundred and two point season. He's won a Calder Trophy, right? He had back to back plus thirty goal seasons. I think he's a superstar, but you can say, hey, do it again and prove it to me. Somebody else asked, what if Miller gets a hundred and 
110 points and Pedersen gets 108, then should Pedersen get more than Miller? Yeah, because it's not Pedersen's fault that Miller may have a really team-friendly contract. Yeah. And I understand the sentiment of internal caps, but there's no world where any team can keep a player of Pedersen's ilk at his age if he has over 100 points again under 8 million. It just can't happen. It's, yep. I get the sentiment, but it, it's just not workable. It's too low a number. And that's why the Miller deal, as much as you know, it's it's a big contract, but if he plays the way he played to end last year, if he plays closer to how he played the year before, if he plays consistently this season... I mean, he was great the first game, not as you know impactful the second game. But then you look at the $8 million and say it's worth it. Now, how does that look in year five, six, seven of the contract, of course? But you can totally see a situation with the cap going out up that this year, next year, the year after, potentially, he might outperform the $8 million cap hit. But yeah, I mean, I understand the sentiment, but there's no way if Pedersen has over 100 points that he would sign or the team would even realistically think he would sign for under $8 million. It would be like... Um... Like David Pasternak just signed for 11 and a quarter in Boston this past summer. It would be like Boston trying to get him to sign under Brad Marchand's contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, we got Marchand at this number, but it's like, yeah, so it's not, it's not my fault. No, and, and people say Stutzla signed, signed his contract coming up after his second year and his third year in the league, right? He signed his contract early. So after two years, he completed it. So his contract kicks, well, kicks in this year. He I signed think. his eight-year deal when Pedersen signed his three-year breach, yeah. essentially and, at, the, at the same point of his career. And they paid Stutzla before last season. Yeah. So last year, he kind of exploded. So they got ahead of it. Mm-hmm. If Stutzla, if they waited to sign Stutzla, if they give Stutzla a bridge contract, there's no way he's signing for $8 million yeah. in three years. So Stutz- you have to look at the time when the guy signs, yeah. and also if you sign a guy before he takes that next step. Uh, I actually got that incorrect, the way I phrased that. Stutzla signed with a year left on his entry level, so it was a year ahead of when Patterson yes. signed his bridge deal with the Vancouver Canucks. Patterson was a restricted free agent already when he signed his bridge deal. And and the other thing to keep in mind is Pedersen, when he's going to sign his next contract, has one year of RFA left, and yep. then you're buying UFA years, which is more expensive. When you're extending Stutzla after three years, that means he still has four to five years of elgi- RFA eligibility left, which brings his AAV, a- average cap hit, down because yep. the player doesn't have the same benefit of hitting the unrestricted market to get the offers to play each- off each other. So... That also plays into that. You can't. That, it's not a comparable yeah. unless you look at how many unrestricted free agent years you're also buying. The next contract with Pedersen is going to be a minimum of one to seven UFA years. That's going to drive the price up. Yeah, the only guys who got like uh, full freight, even with <laughs> uh, without buying yeah. a ton of UFA years, were Matthews and Marner. Really, like yeah. those. Those are the two guys that got paid. Especially Matthews, where you didn't buy any UFA years and. You still paid him well over $11 million. Uh, it's Dan Richo. Well, I guess Connor McDavid, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah coming up. We'll get more into this Canucks chatter. Coach was a little bit more honest than maybe we expected him to be today about how the team performed in Edmonton. We'll get more into that next. Plus the Monday menu on Canucks Central. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.